You're listening to the Tour Bus Podcast. I'm your host, Jay, the Tour Bus Driver, and today we're talking with a good friend of mine, Jesse Bond. Jesse uh, got to be the guitar player for Kanye West for a few years back in uh, what a lot of folks consider to be Kanye's prime. Uh, he also went to the Berkeley College of Music, so uh, he's got great insights for anyone that's considering going into music school. Jesse has spent the majority of his career playing soul, hip-hop, R&B, genres that aren't typically associated with having a lot of guitar, uh, but Jesse knocks it out of the park. He's got phenomenal tone, he's a very skilled player, and he's just an all-around great dude. So sit back and enjoy this conversation with Jesse. If every guitar player just needs to have one pedal that they never use, but just throw in their gig bag, in case the amp breaks, that's it. Because it sounds so good for being $30. Well, that's way more gear talk. That's way more gear talk than the tour bus is supposed to have. You know, my freshman year of high school, I was kind of a loner, loser, didn't have very many friends. Like, when you're an angry teenager, that environment of, like, mosh pits. And I was like, oh, crap, I gotta go to college, I think. And she was like, have you ever heard of Berkeley College of Music? I was like, nah, never heard of it. Uh, one of the things that I love, uh, Jesse, about when you came in and, and we, we played together at church and stuff is I remember sometimes you just walk in with a, a, a pedal board and, like, a, a $30 pedal that you ran straight out of into the board or <laughs> right you the know, joyo or, american sound yeah <laughs> and man it just sounded sick nasty and everybody was always like what in the world is up with that well being on airplanes all the time is just miserable with guitar equipment like mm -hmm. i you know and and I'm coming up on 40 years old. I'll be 40 this year. So I've spent right a you. lot of my time. Right. You know, I mean, like a lot of my time was I still had to have amps on backline. I still had to have this. I still had to have that. You know, that you just you couldn't put you couldn't really get a smaller pedal board. They weren't even making mini pedals and stuff like that. Sure. Um you know, so I mean, like you had to have bigger gear and like it just sent me down the rabbit hole of like, I have to be self-contained with my rig. Like I have to be happy having a small rig and having it do everything that I need it to do, um, you know, and regardless of what amp is on the back line, regardless of, you know, what gig it is, whether it's church, whether it's an R&B gig. Um, whether it's a rocket, you know, whatever it is, I just, I need to have my sound and, and not just have it sound good, but have it feel good too, because for the longest time, I just couldn't get a direct option that felt good, that felt like an amp. And, uh, you know, and I just got thrown into so many situations. I was playing at a church where we had to go direct and they wouldn't let you bring an amp but they didn't provide any ant modelers for you either. So <laughs> it was kind of like, uh, man, I, I just, I have to try every single one yeah. of these. And it started off with that, with that Joyo American sound. And man, for a $30 pedal, that is the one pedal that like, if every guitar player just needs to have mm -hmm. one pedal that they never use, but just throw in their gig bag in case the ant breaks, yeah. that's it. Cause it sounds so good for it being did, $30. Man. It's in, you know, 
But now, but now I'm not on, I don't use that anymore. <laughs> like I went from that to, uh, I actually bought a Kemper. Yeah, um, that's what I have. But the Kemper was, yeah, the Kemper was too big though, man. It, it just, it had. I have the stage. And, and I didn't get, yeah, I mean, well, for, I wanted to use it for both. I wanted to travel with it. And, yeah. You know, I was like, oh, let me get a rat case. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, right, it, right. It, I you're, got to you're the right back to where you I, were. Exactly. And I got to the point where I had to get a floorboard for it. And so I was like, their floorboard is 600 bucks or this atomic amplifier is 600 bucks. Right. So let me get this amplifier and try it out for 12 days and see if I like it. And so I got that and, uh, and I stuck with that for a while. Um, I ended up selling the Kemper because, you know, a lot of these modelers these days are just so like, they they only sound as good as the IRs, really, because like right. Line Six has been modeling preamps forever. You know what I mean? Sure, but sure. like, but the cabinet modeling was just never there until the past couple years. And uh, sure, you know. So then I kind of just kept going down a rabbit hole. Got this, got that. I got rid of the amplifier, and I actually now I use a two notes lay clean pedal, and it's three hundred dollars. And man, when I tell you, I've had every, you know, I've used every model. I've used you an have, I, have, I've used I can Helix's. attest that I've seen you play just about everything out there. <laughs> right. You know, it's like this, if this ain't working, then screw it. I'm going to try this, you know. And man, for me, so much of what I do, I need a really just clean, pristine, clean, sound and what period was that, what like what was that called it's called the lay clean it's by two notes you know two notes does like the torpedo cab oh, and they yep, do yep, uh yep, yep, they do a lot like their their cab ir stuff is just killer man they're they're top of the top of the the food chain there but man their their lay series pedals are cheap you know they're 300 bucks you can't change the irs in them but you can run them out to like their torpedo cab boxes and stuff like that. But man, this Lake Clean is the only direct option I've found that gives you that Fender Twin clean, where it's like, it's all the way clean. You can't break it up, um, but you still get that, you still get that movement. You can feel that it's almost like you can feel the air moving. You get a lot of dynamic range with it. And it's got a, a 12AX7 tube in it. I see that. Yeah, I'm, and I got it, it runs. Up. Yeah, it's super cool. And it runs at 200, uh, 200 volts internally. So it runs at amp voltages, which is a, I think that's one of the big things. Like the Kemper was amazing for like edge of breakup tones, like mm -hmm. AC30s and metal tones, of course, like, you know, and sure. the effects in it are really good. But man, for me, it's like I need pristine clean and then I need edge of breakup. And this does both of them. Like it does Fender Great. Brown on one side and Fender Twin on the other. And yeah. that's my amp now. And so 95% of my gigs are on ears. The only time I ever bring an amp is if I'm in a club that doesn't have wedges or something. Sure. And, you know, like which is which is few and far between these days. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, I mean. It's 
like cafe 290 or like some, you know, sure. some local club <laughs> where it's like, you know, like it's fun, it's vibey, but it's nobody gets wedges. Like the only person who can hear anything is the singer. So like you just got to bring an amp, you know, and that's the only time I use them now. So, oh, nice. you know, I mean, but, uh, but man, I've, I've gone down a rabbit hole too with my other pedals. So basically like I use two even tied H nines now. Um, and the Strymon Sunset Drive. Man, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna be checking this out. All right, well that's way more gear talk. That's way more gear talk than the tour bus <laughs> is supposed to have. So that might be like a special feature found only on what, the guitar website. players don't talk about gear. <laughs> I don't even know why you. <laughs> What'd you expect? Right. So man, exactly. Uh, one of the few people I know that went to Berkeley College of Music. So I'm just super intrigued to hear more about um, that time of your life. How'd you find, you know, how'd you decide to go to Berkeley and how'd you get in and what, what were you hoping to get out of it? So I didn't start playing guitar until really until my freshman year of high school and towards the end of my freshman year of high school. Um, my mom was playing and, and, um, I'd go to church with her and, and she would sing and play in, in the worship band. She was the leader oh, wow, cool. of, you know, our small church. And Where I grew we, up in Reno, Nevada. Okay. That's out right. On the that's West right. Coast. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, but you know, I don't know me growing up, I, I just, I never really knew who I was. And I had the type of parents that they were hands off in a good way. Like I had a lot of love from my parents but they were like, we're not going to tell you who to be or, you know, we're going to tell you not to do the wrong thing, but we aren't going to tell you what the right thing is. We're just going to like kind of let you right, figure right. out what you like, you know what I mean? And so they never really pushed me into sports, pushed me into music. But my mom always had real good music on. She had the Beatles on, Neil Young. You know, my dad would listen to Cream and I grew up on country music. But um, man, I started getting into, you know, my freshman year of high school, I was kind of a loner, loser, didn't have very many friends. But towards the end of my freshman year, I started hanging out with a bunch of like hardcore kids, basically the hardcore music kids um, who were straight edge, which is like, we don't drink, we don't do drugs. And uh, we play really right, loud, right. annoying music that your parents hate. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and man, like not, ha not knowing who I was. Did you get the like, three X's, finally gave the three X's tattoo or whatever? <laughs> Why not the symbol? I didn't have any tattoos. Like by the time I, I got out of Reno, I was, I was, uh, a little out of the straight edge phase, but, uh, you know, not, not like as a personal, like I still wasn't drinking or doing drugs, but I just, you know, I kind of just moved into like higher levels of music. Like I was in jazz band. I ended up getting into jazz band in high school and stuff, but I really, yeah, like I had friends, they were starting bands. They were starting punk bands, ska bands, hardcore bands. And so that's what kind of got me into playing. I was just like, this is amazing. And like when you're an angry teenager, who doesn't know anything that environment of like mosh pits and like just total male aggression, <laughs> you know, like burning right. your ears out, <laughs> screaming at the top of your lungs, no melody, no nothing. Just like 
two kick drums and as hard as you can play and yeah. full stacks as loud as you can play oh, them. Yeah. You know, like there was just a huge draw for, and especially on the West Je- Coast. Jesse walks so... in with a super clean, like clean pedal. No. <laughs> Although I could definitely do a hardcore gig with my pedal board right now. So nice. in your face, Jay, tour bus driver. <laughs> but man, so like, you know, it was basically my my junior year of high school towards the end. I was like, oh, crap, I got to go to college, I think, because my mom wants me to go. <laughs> She's not going to let me not go to college. So I was like, well, let me look into music schools. And uh, what was around there at the time, I was looking into like San Francisco conservatory and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I applied, I like sent them my $75 or whatever. And yeah, they sent me a packet. They wanted three pieces. They were like six and a half minutes a piece. And I'm like, I don't even have an, <laughs> a nylon string guitar. I don't right. <laughs> like, and I don't know any pieces I can play you like. <laughs> Some metal songs. Or or... I could play you some Pantera. <laughs> I could play you some, you know, Metallica or something. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, nah, this ain't going to work. And uh, I talked to my to my uh, my counselor at school, and she was like, have you ever heard of Berkeley College of Music? I was like, nah, never heard of it. She was like, it's in Boston. I was like, where? <laughs> oh, <wow>. Boston? What's <laughs> Boston? Hey, this is Jay, the tour bus driver, and it's time for a union break. So if you're a musician, a producer, any kind of worker in the gig economy, then you're going to want to reach out to my friends, John and Christy at Element CPA. You see, John is a good friend of mine from the business world. I recently found out that he started a new CPA firm that focuses on workers in the gig economy. And so people in film, entertainment, music, Uber drivers, they can all use the services at Element CPA. You can read more on the tourbuspodcast.com slash element. Again, that's the tourbuspodcast cast.com slash element. Uh, here's a quick snippet from an interview I did with John and Christy uh, that'll be coming out in a future podcast episode. Please check this out and give my friends John and Christy a call at Element CPA, and then we'll get right back to our regularly scheduled program. Well, Element is a full-service certified public accounting firm. Uh, we just happen to major in music, film, and entertainment, and other like-minded industries. You know, we started out doing uh, a lot of feature film work 10 years ago, and now we've kind of branched out into other entertainment spaces in Atlanta, New York, LA, uh, and now Nashville and Miami, and sort of growing wherever entertainment happens. Tax preparation, tax planning, business management and consulting, bookkeeping, all of these services. And these are services that we have tailored, especially to our, our clients in the entertainment industry. Well, we're, we're talking talking about $2 trillion that they're trying to pump through different um, programs to get into people's pockets as fast as possible. The Paycheck Protection Program is a really confusing program right now for a lot of independent contractors. Uh, It may be better to be, you know, an independent contractor that's drawing unemployment benefits. And, you know, obviously every case is different. Um, You need to really get some help and ask, uh, you know, which is going to be better in your particular situation. So hopefully this new week will bring some, uh, you know, a little more news and a little more guidance on that for folks uh, who need to really need those unemployment benefits to start flowing for them. Once again, that's my friends, John and Christy at Element CPA. You can go to the tourbuspodcast.com slash element to learn more. Let's get back on the bus and catch up with our guest. 
I, of course, I knew where Boston was, but uh, Reno's such a small mm. town, man. When I left Reno, it was 175,000 people wow. or whatever. Um, you know, so like, but once I found out about the school, about like the history it had, sure. Pat Metheny went there for a semester and then he taught there for a semester and Dizzy Gillespie back in the fifties or sixties and you know, all the, just all the greats who have gone right. through there. I was right. like, yeah. man, if I'm going to get serious about music, like that's what I wanted. I want to play modern music. I don't want to play classical music. I got the San Francisco pack and it was one thing like Berkeley. They were like, well, we want you to play some scales. So, you know, like all I had was my tape recorder in my bedroom. So like right. I just recorded myself playing a couple scales and I really wasn't that good because really I got serious my junior year, senior year. I got serious about playing. So I was playing for a couple years, but man, I was not sweet at all. Like, dude, when I, when I landed, so I took a semester off before I went to Berkeley. So like I got there in January okay. of 99 was my first semester. And man, like. When I tell you the first time I heard a Brazilian dude playing like real Brazilian guitar, like bossa stuff, whatever, you know, yeah. like I was just like, I'm never going to be <laughs> as good as this guy ever in my life. Like, why am I here? Oh, you really? Know, like it was total, total culture shock because the cool thing about Berkeley well, at least when I went, it was about 50% international. Um, and so, you know, you just, you walk, you just got the exposed. practice rooms, man. Yeah. So, yeah. So what happened then? So you graduated, you've got this incredible uh, degree in jazz music. Well, so, so here's the deal. I kind of, man, I say I got lucky, you know, for, for anybody listening to, listening to this, if you don't believe in an afterlife, if you don't believe in God, I totally respect that. You know, I don't think that Christianity or any religion should be pushed on anybody. But man, me looking back over over my career and over some of the key moments of meeting certain people at certain times um, was just very God-inspired, very like karma e if you're into that side of things, sure, you know sure. what i mean kind of like something something outside of you something bigger than you whatever that is definitely so first three semesters at school i did i lived on campus in different buildings and then i moved out to the suburbs after that for the rest of my however what is that five more semesters or whatever okay. um Cause I was, I started playing at a church that was, that was a little bit, it was kind of like halfway. I lived halfway between town where school is and that church. So I could just get to church a lot easier. And my roommates, my roommates were going to the church and playing there. So I was like, cool, I'll just hit a ride with you and cool, we'll cool. all live together and it'll be fun. Um, and my roommates happened to be from Atlanta and uh, I, two, I had two roommates from Atlanta. Okay. And long story short, one well, one of them is uh, a guy, Brian Simmons, and he runs Music Schools International in Peachtree City, Georgia. Uh, oh, okay. Down by cool. you or yeah. where I was. And um, 
and uh, Brian Simmons is PJ Morton's bass player, Emily King's bass player, Talib Kwali's bass player, played with Joe, played with a bunch of people. So, um, gotcha. These were my these were my roommates, and they're all about Atlanta. They're always saying, you know, guys from Atlanta, they're they're so gung ho. Atlanta, Atlanta's the best. You're talking you know, to one. Like, You're talking you to come one. Down. <laughs> exactly. See, you know, and uh, and man, like I came down for uh, a college conference at World Changers Church, and it was it was cool. It was like. You know, everybody had their name badge on, like what school you're from, what okay. you're majoring in. So like mine said Jesse Bond, Berkeley, majoring, I'm a guitarist, basically. Like that's <laughs> just what I put on there. And the last night of the conference, uh, PJ Morton was there singing uh, with his sister. And they had a gospel project that they had just put out. PJ was going to Morehouse at the time. And uh, this was... 2000 around that time okay. and uh the year the year 2000 sure sure and uh <laughs> and, and man here i don't know if anybody out there is a fan of pj but man hearing pj for the first time you know it was just i was like oh my god that's mm-hmm. what he's doing i was just very drawn to it i was i was drawn to his voice I was drawn to how he sang. He was very musical, like with how he sang. His voice was an instrument, you know, like, mm-hmm. and he doesn't even consider himself a singer singer, but, you know, like I was just, he's very soulful and like he grew up on Stevie Wonder and gospel music, which I was big into at the time. And, uh, and so I went up and talked to him afterwards. I was like, dude, you guys killed it. And, you know, he was like, man, thank you. And he looked at my name badge. He was like, oh, you go to Berkeley? You play guitar? He's like, man, I'm starting a band. I need a guitar player. <laughs> Shut <Like>, up, man. <laughs> I swear I swear to God that he said that. I'm starting a band. I need a guitar player. <clears throat> do you want to do it? You were like, I, just, <laughs> I, like, you were like, I lied yes. on my I lied on my name tag to, to pick up chicks, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but man, he never heard me play. He never... He never hung out with me outside of that night. And of course, like we, we hung that night for a little bit, you know, we were chopping it up and listening to other people play. Cause it was a, it was a talent show basically, like people were voting and, uh, man, he asked me to play in his band. And so I flew back to Boston and he would send songs. Like he had a good four or five songs that he sent. And then, uh, like I'd come down to Atlanta, we'd rehearse them. I'd go back, he'd send another like four or five. And then by that time, learning them, flew back again. We just started recording and really we knocked out all the music for our first band, Freestyle Nation, in two days. And then he was just able to do all the vocals and all that other stuff. Right, um, right. And, uh, you know, cutting an album in two days is fun. <laughs> but, <laughs> I bet, man. <laughs> But, uh, but you, man, I mean, we like, all just geeked out just, the whole time, like, like just awake all night, playing music, loving it. Pretty much. It was just flowing I mean, out it of was you. Like, it was like, hey, we got to be at the studio at 10 and we're going to be there until like, you know, three. And then we're going to go get food and sleep a few hours and be right back at it. But man, we, we got through it. But, you know, like 
I just looking back, man, I was good enough to play in a band with him, but right. compared to like other guitar players that he could have found in Atlanta, there were better guitar players. Sure. Definitely at the time, skill wise. But I feel like how we connected was bigger than like, he wasn't just looking for somebody who played guitar really well. He was looking for somebody who he could be in a band with, who he could be a brother with, who he could share secrets with, who he could go have fun with, who he could party with. You know what I mean? Yep. Not party yep. party because he's not a, we're all church kids. But, <laughs> we're but, all chill, lame anyway. but, but chill with or hang out with off stage. Ex- be around. Exactly. On a, be around on a tour bus for half the day. Yeah, man. And, and not want to choke each know, other out. Exactly. And, you know, <laughs> shoot, things happen. <laughs> right, right, Tour right. Bus. But yeah, right. We were, we were vans forever, man. Like we really, dude, we, we hit it hard. We were on the chilling circuit, just playing soul music. It was around the same time as like India Ria had just come out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Alicia Keys, like yes. right when they came out, John Mayer had just come out. Uh, Maroon 5, surprisingly, he's, PJ is now the yep. keyboardist and singer in Maroon 5. Um, you know, but they came out around, I'm the one who put them on to them. I was like, you got to hear this white boy. He sings like Stevie Wonder. <laughs> he was like, for real? And I remember us driving around his neighborhood in, in my Toyota Avalon, just listening to, you know, like Sunday morning and, Dude, and I, all the like, I didn't songs, even like that songs album. about Jane. I didn't even like songs about Jane until I listened to the back half of it. And I think that's what made me fall in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that record. When you go back and listen to it. all good songs. Yeah. I mean, they're just really good songs. And, you know, Adam and Jesse, they had had a band before Kara's Flowers or something like that. So they had been signed Mm -hmm. and they got dropped. And so they had kind of been down that road. So they, they had a little bit of a heads up to that. But, man, like just looking back. You know, I mean, I'm just thankful. Like, I really feel like it was God that crossed our paths. Like, he enjoyed something about me and my spirit and just being around me. And, you know, of course, I enjoyed being around him because he's a very cool, down-to-earth guy. And, and like, his skill-wise, man, like, he had his first song placed when he was 14 years old on Men of Standard. You know, like, he's—and his father is a— super bishop you know had a thirty thousand member church in new orleans or whatever and you know so i mean like pj comes from great music like he's been around world-class musicians his whole life so just the honor of being put in that that same in those same circles like it's just instant street cred man like oh sure like oh you play with pj like you're super dope like okay i'll take it (laughs) you know like I was slightly disillusioned. I thought I was better than I was when I got to Berkeley. I got humbled and then I got into Berkeley. And the longer you stay there, you get a little disillusioned because you're like, Oh, I know all these things. Sure. You know, but I remember a a teacher at Berkeley told me they were like, just wait. Like it was, it was a songwriting teacher. Actually, they were like, whatever songs you write in the first five years, of being out of Berkeley, you're probably just going to throw them away and you probably should. Cause it's like, <laughs> you have to unlearn <laughs> the education that sure. you got and unlearn that. Like, I know this and I know this 
it's so egocentric, man. And so like, you can put a lot of faith in those things, but at the end of the day, you know, it, we got to find out what art is for us. What do we have to say? You know, what is, what is art? It's our expression of how we feel, you know what I mean? And so like learning how, like learning yourself, knowing how you feel, knowing who you are, knowing what you want to say, knowing who you don't want to be, you know, I mean, like all, all of those things are, are just as important as Frank Cambali's chop builder as, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like as like (laughs) sweet picking as, Absolutely. I mean, go down the list. Yeah. And, and some of the previous uh, podcast episodes, I've mentioned how important to me self-awareness was in my career. You know, I'm a business guy first, you know, and and I play guitar mostly on the side. Um, But my success in the professional world is a direct correlation to becoming more aware of what I'm good at and, and especially, especially what I'm not good at and what doesn't excite me Yeah, and figuring that yeah. out really allowed me to, to hone in on what I was excited about. And man, I got just a clear path for my career and have been very successful since as a result of it. So there's definitely merit to that. Now in the music world, I think it's harder because I think the opportunities are, are so much more chance-based it seems that you know even in the business world right i can go out there and interview and and find jobs but in the music world you've got a a, you know you're almost forced to scramble and maybe take things you're not excited about or go down paths you're not excited about because you feel like it might be the only option or the only way to go and that's part of what this podcast is about is hopefully breaking breaking those paradigms and 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 showing everybody all the different ways music can become a profession, can be exciting again, um, you know, and different things you can do with your, your musical abilities. Well, man, you, you hit the nail on the head, dude, because you're totally right. And like that, just having that knowledge of like, okay, I don't want to do this, but I do want to do this, you know, like Derek Sivers, he's, he's a dude who started CD baby and like, if anybody follows Tim Ferriss, like Tim Ferriss looks up to Derek like crazy. And Derek's mm-hmm. story is super crazy as a musician. Like he used to tour with a circus and, <laughs> you know, and then started CD Baby and sold it for like whatever, $50 million or something crazy. But um, man, I'll, I'll always remember what he said. He said, if you get an opportunity presented to you and you aren't like, F yeah. I want to do that, then don't do it, mm-hmm. you know? And, but the reality <laughs> of being a, a professional musician yeah. is that like you, you are, you are going to compromise if you're doing art for money, because, at, you know, there, there are a select few of us that can, and I'm not one of them yet, you know, I hope to be one day that can, just create what I want to create and get paid for it. Mm-hmm. But man, like I, if I had a dollar for everybody who's ever said, you have the greatest job, you get to do what you love for a living. They're like, you get to play music for a living. That's great. And my response is always <laughs> like, well, I don't always get to play great music for a living. There you go. 
You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't. Like, there's been so... I If I had a dollar for every crappy gig I've taken, you know, I'd still be where I am because I got paid for most of them. But, uh, so you, that, you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. Like, I, we've... Yeah. We have to compromise and we have to... You know, especially if you have a family. I got married young. I was mm-hmm. 23 years old when I got married. And, you know, wife. I got kids now. Like... I don't really have a choice. Like, you know, I have to, I have to provide for my family. So there are going to be situations where, you know, now I don't have to do it as much, but like, especially starting out is like, Hey, you got $75. I'm there. I don't care what it is, <laughs> you know, like let's do it. And so, well, you're spot on with that. You yeah. hit the nail on the head. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's just coming out of these, these conversations I'm having with all of you guys. And, and I'm just looking forward to more, more and more. Now that is not supposed to be a segue into Kanye having to take crappy gigs for 75 bucks, but you, you and PJ did a, you know, couple different stabs at some band stuff. PJ would do solo stuff. You were getting married and then you ended up playing for Kanye. So anything you want to draw out of that or talk to us about how the Kanye gig came up and we're, you know, sure. I'm sure, I'm sure there will be a million well, yeah, questions, I mean, but I got questions about that, man. Cause that's, that's the question. That's, that's the question that every musician has, you know what I mean? Like growing up, Hey, and thanks for listening to the Tour Bus Podcast, a platform built by working musicians and producers to help you get more auditions, more gigs, and more of what you want. I'm Jay, the Tour Bus Driver. If you like what you hear, you can do a couple things. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us online and like us wherever you do your social media. If you have any comments or questions, you can go to thetourbuspodcast.com slash tipjar and leave us a comment or question, or you can email tipjar at thetourbuspodcast.com. Theme music provided by The Rock and at Philly Stacks Music.